Hey friends, welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning and I am the host of this podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me for another episode. And specifically this episode, as this is our last regular episode of season three, next week, December 1st, mark it on your calendar so you are notified for our finale episode. Unlike any other, I am so thankful for every single one of you who has listened, every single friend who's come on the show and shared their heart. We're going to close it all out with a fun conversation with a returning guest, So today, as we start closing out season three, I'm sharing a conversation with a friend that just means a lot to me, especially around this time of year as we're looking for ways to give, as we're thinking about what we're thankful for, and we're celebrating the blessings that we do not deserve. I'm so excited to invite Kevin Loveday on the show. He is the chapter president of Sleep in Heavenly Peace Pensacola, an organization that advocates for a good night's sleep, a healthy night's sleep, and they do this by building and giving away beds to children. Sleep is a natural time for our body to recharge. And did you know that lack of sleep and restless sleep can lead to hyperactivity as early as the age of five in children? In teenagers, anxiety and depression are linked to poor sleeping habits 27 and 69% of the time. Science has proven that there are direct correlations within this pattern. Children who receive plenty of sleep perform better in school. They have a healthier home life. Their emotional health is stable and vibrant, and they feel safe. Every child deserves to feel safe in a comfortable place to lay their heads. Yet it's estimated that roughly 2 to 3% of American children sleep without a bed. Often children will end up sleeping on couches, blankets, or even floors, and this not only affects their happiness, but their overall health and development. That's where Sleep in Heavenly Peace comes in. It's a nonprofit volunteer organization dedicated to building, assembling, and delivering top-notch bunk beds to children and families in need. SHP operates in all 50 states through organizing local chapters in various cities. Friends, you know how much I love my city. So when I met Kevin Loveday, Pensacola's Sleep in Heavenly Peace chapter president, I had to hear more. I wanted to know about the organization as well as his personal story. His work alongside the countless local volunteers matters more than you know. In just this year alone, the SHP Pensacola chapter has already delivered 100 beds. Remember how I talked about the devastation of Hurricane Sally? When this storm terrorized the Gulf coast in September, Kevin and his team were the heroes that we had prayed would rise up and they delivered beds to local kiddos whose beds were destroyed by the storm. I love Kevin's motto. He says, our goal is that every kid has a bed of their own. No kid sleeps on the floor in our town. And that is a statement that we can all get behind. And even more surprising to me was when I went to talk with Kevin about his own story. You're going to love hearing about the transformation in his heart and how Kevin now believes that God is the father of the impossible. He does incredible, impossible things every day if we just take a moment to look for them. There is so much more that I could say about Kevin and his story, but I'm going to let you hear it from him. Please welcome to Still With You, Pensacola's Sleep in Heavenly Peace chapter president, my friend, Kevin Loveday. 
Thank you, Kevin, for doing this. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Share a little bit about yourself. Are you originally from Pensacola? I would love to just get to know you. Sure. No, I was born and raised in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is a relatively small town, probably mm -hmm. most well known for Lee University. So I grew up there, was born and raised there, and then went to college. And then when I graduated from college, I took the five-year plan, had a good time. When I graduated, I went to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And that was in 87, so I've lived lived there most of my life. All my adult life was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have a wife named Buffy. Uh, we've been married uh, 23 years. We have two adult children. Okay. Uh, we're a blended family. I have a son. She has a daughter, um, which are actually six months apart, and I adopted her daughter. Wow. So we, but we say we have both have two kids uh, and raised them that way. They're both adults and have been married for several years and have moved away. They didn't live in Chattanooga, and we have one grandchild. Oh, that's uh, so, awesome. And, uh, You're from the south, and then you moved farther south. So what right. brought you to the Gulf Coast? Probably like a lot of people, we vacationed down here. Did you really? Uh, you know, mo mainly in Gulf Shores. Okay. Uh, and we're boat people, pleasure boaters. Uh, so we love the waterway, the intercoastal, the way you can get to a bunch of restaurants by boat. A lot of people do when they come down here. Oh, this would be a great place to retire to or live or whatever. And we've, over our years, have bought a lot of houses and not really, I wouldn't say flipped them, lived in them and upgraded yeah. them. and. So we got to look in, and uh, of course, I'm a CPA, so you know, I'm not going to live in Alabama. There's a state income tax, so right. you're not going to pay Alabama state income tax. <laughs> you got to live in Florida. So we drew yeah. a little circle on Zillow and just sort of watched everything. And this house that uh, that we live in now came up, and we thought, yeah, we'll buy it, and maybe we'll retire there one day. And ultimately, that that's what we did. Yeah. See, that's part of my story, too, where I vacationed here for two summers in a row, but I didn't really have a choice. The military sent us oh. here, but I feel like that's a total total God thing. I bet there's a lot of our friends who have similar stories to that of where they like vacationed here. I loved it, loved the city and then moved. So, well, we've been here yeah. just over a year. I sort of tell everybody if I'd have known it was this nice down here, I'd have done it a long time ago. Phenomenal. We've, yeah. been, we've been blessed with a wonderful neighborhood. Again, we've moved several times, but moved down here not knowing anybody. God's blessed us with wonderful neighbors. We get together every Friday night, have social time, and, and then you mm. know, if we need something, hey, we're going out on the boat, you all want to go. It's just spontaneous. Yes. God's really blessed us with that. Well, see, that's contrary to my story then, because when I first lived here from my first year, I was very much where I didn't really jump into the community and make friends very fast. And it sounds like y'all did, especially with Sleep in Heavenly Peace. So could you share with me a little bit about that and even about that organization? Because that's why we're here. I'm yep. so excited well, to hear more Well, about let that. me back up a little bit, but totally. to tell you yes. how I came about Sleep in Heavenly Peace to begin yes, with. Yes, I would then, love that. Because that's really my God story. And Sleep in Heavenly Peace is not a Christian-based organization. I, you know, I didn't see it at church and say, hey, I want to do this. They're just good people all over the country, and they're just... One of their taglines is humans helping humans. A couple of years ago, I think that was in 2017, as I mentioned, I was a CPA and I was the CFO for a company. I'd been there 23 years and I helped the owner of the company. It was a family-owned business, helped him package it up and put it on the market to sell. And that year, 2017, was probably the hardest year of my life. Really? Worked tremendous hours, crazy stress, created some health problems. And so mm. sold the business in 2018. And that was sort of the peak of the stress. And uh, so 
made it through that. It was great. I continued to working for the company after the sale with the new company. The hours reduced and the stress reduced a little bit, but it was still sort of, I, I just knew I wasn't happy. I wasn't healthy spiritually or physically. Mm. And I just, I won't say it was an epiphany time, but it was just sort of like a searching time. Yeah. And uh was looking on Facebook and saw a college friend of mine that I was friends with that was talking about delivering beds and this. <laughs> and so I reached out to him and I said, what's this bed thing you're doing? Uh-huh. She said, well, you need to go watch this micro video. Okay. And micro is the dirty jobs guy, yeah. most people know. But he had a, a, I still does, I believe, a returning the favor where he would take people doing a good thing and go show up, surprise them. And basically bless him with, uh, and then Sleep in Heavenly Peace's case, he Luke Mickelson and his wife who founded it in Twin Falls, Idaho, he shows up and they were in a warehouse and you can watch the video. We, we can, Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes for absolutely. our friends. That's cool. I didn't know this and I want to watch it. Yeah. Luke was blessed by the, that show and that's really where Sleep in Heavenly Peace got its notoriety. And that's where I was first introduced other than seeing some beds being delivered on Facebook. In my spiritual walk, because again, that's what we're talking about, I was raised in the works-based religion. I feel like my void at that time was because I never really had a relationship with Christ. It was, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm I'm a CPA. Real legalistic? Very legalistic. And I'm a CPA, so it's normally, you know, debits on the left, credits on the right. I can follow the rules. Yeah, that's like your gift. Like, that's how you're wired. Yeah. So... So I do what I'm supposed to do. So pretty much through my whole life, it was was like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to church. I was at church when I was a kid, three days a week. You're going to do this, and you don't do this, and you do this, and do this. So, again, as I mentioned, when I went to college, I sort of strayed away from that, rebelled, if you will, but also knew right from wrong the whole time. After college, I sort of floated around for a while and sort of did my own thing. I sort of would go to church when I needed God and let's make a deal type of thing. God, I'll come back to church if you'll help me with this or yeah. whatever. Really, all that changed back in 1996. So uh, okay. I was going to church for the first time in a grace-based church. It just made sense. Grace makes sense. It's not all this work stuff. Yeah. I had sort of worked all this time. And I, my true salvation experience was about 24 years ago, 25 years ago in 96. When you've lived most of your life sort of checking boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, I was on fire for a while and do all this stuff. And, and so I got involved in upper basketball and taking care of the nursery, taking care of kids in the daycare and, you know, treasurer of the church. And Oh, so you just threw yourself into serving. Correct. Yeah. But again, there was still not this relationship. So yeah. it never really was. Yeah. I tell all that story to get back up to the micro video because, again, there was this hole, and I think in my life, and the mm-hmm. hole was... You don't have a relationship with Christ. Mm. You can check all these boxes. And sitting there, my wife was out of town. She travels and can work from anywhere, but she was on the road that night. And I was watching the video by myself and was just in tears. Wow. And it was like, wow, my whole life has built up to this is what I'm supposed to do. It was this, I don't know if you call it an epiphany, but it was no, unbelievable. It sounds like the presence it, of the Holy Spirit. It was unbelievable. I was in tears. Okay, I can do this and I can do this and do this and do this. So... When Buffy got back in town, I said, oh, okay, you got to watch this video. It's not a short video. She goes, okay, okay. So when she tells the story, she says, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Because <laughs> I would get on fire for something, and you know, it would, two weeks later it would die. So yeah. she sort of thought, this will fizzle out. You know, I just, okay, play along with him. And Because I never was the spiritual leader of the house. She was. She always was. She got us, all of us, the kids and me to church. And 
I checked that box. I went to church and we tithed. Yep, checked that box. And, but it never was a relationship. She said, okay. But she sort of saw in me, again, when she tells this story, she saw there was something different. And then a week goes by and I said, yeah, I think we're supposed to. Uh, and again, I was still working for the company that had already yeah. sold. She knew I wasn't happy there. I said, I think we're supposed to go to Pensacola and build beds for kids. Just like that? Yeah. There was already somebody to do in, uh-huh. in Chattanooga. Yeah, and so I was going to say, I, and you'd vacation there. So. And so I had gone and done several bed builds with the guy that chapter okay. president in Chattanooga and gone on several deliveries. So now I see it's a process and you get people involved and and so forth. So, I, yeah, I think we need to go to Pensacola because, we, again, we know this house is down there. We can go. We already have a place to stay. She'd never seen me like this. And we moved here in July of last year and we had this house for sale in Tennessee. A big asset, okay. This, yeah. this needs to sell. We had been on the house on the market for a little while, so she made a deal with me. She goes, if that house doesn't sell by the end of the year, then we're gonna move back to Chattanooga. Okay. Well, you go to Liberty and I go to Liberty and yeah. and we fell in love with Liberty. We loved our church in Chattanooga, but Liberty was so different. Same. And it was like, wow, that's like Unbelievable, and that's why I kept telling her when we we're kind of talking about moving down here. I said, God would not have had us fall in love with Liberty to the extent that, for the first time ever in my life, I look forward to going to church. Oh wow! It's almost Sunday; we get to go to church, <laughs> and um, and that was the first time I'd ever been the one that said we're going to church. We did move here in July. The house did not sell. Oh, how'd she feel? Again, what I happened? Think we had great neighbors. We had a great church family and we'd made friends there she's like okay so now it's time to step out on faith a little little further so she goes okay and i said the house is going to sell three Mm -hmm. four months later it did sell that was a god thing that's a whole nother story for another day i started sleeping heavenly peace in pensacola roughly in november of last year so we haven't quite well almost we've just been doing it a year oh my goodness i thought that you all had been here for much longer than i was even aware of you've done some hard work in a short amount of time having moved from chattanooga we we joke around how we were sort of connected socially and work networks and all that stuff work you know if we didn't need and we had to raise our own funds for sleeping heavenly peace if we had done that there we could have made 10 phone calls and had it all funded and the volunteers would show up and all that stuff you're and, making it sound easier than what it. <laughs> no, well, that's like that's sort of been my path in life. Yeah. Is that, that's how God sort of shows me He shows up because it makes it what's almost impossible. So we moved down here and literally knew no one, made friends with about eight people in the subdivision, and it's like okay, went back up, went to training in Twin Falls, Idaho. For sleep, sleep sleeping, in, okay. every chapter president's required yeah, okay. to go out there to All be right. trained and follow their rules. And it's a national organization; you follow the yeah. process and so forth. Lowe's is a sponsor. You look at their website. Lowe's yeah. is a national sponsor. Okay, we bought our washer and dryer for them too. By the yeah. way, they give awesome military yeah. discounts. They do. They do. <laughs> we, they love the church. Yeah, being in a military town, yeah. it's amazing what they do. They had a sample letter. Write the letter to the manager. Blah blah. There, you know, there's two Lowe's really. Almost about the same distance yeah. from here. So I go, and this great. And, well, nothing happened. You know, I called and talked to the manager or tried to get to the manager, and nothing happened. So I went on to training. Another thing they taught you, which I'll tell you here in a minute why it's important, they tell you in training, when you start out, only build four or five, six beds at a time. you got to have a core group of people that show up at every build. I can't run the 12 processes that are in this. i got to have people that can stand yeah. at each station. Well, I had followed the guy in Chattanooga. His work was on steroids because he did 50 to 100 beds or we really didn't do anything so mm-hmm. so it was that's what i saw then i thought i gotta come down here 
here. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't have any money. So you only know how to work in bulk. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I could build these in the garage, but that's not the purpose. Sure. To try to make the awareness. So it was sort of a God thing, too, because it came back from training. Now I've got all this knowledge. Now what are we going to do? And so I reached out to the Lowe's manager again and just so happened we had gone to church and Josh preached on scripture or whatever, yeah. but he basically said, you have everything you need. That was mm. one of the takeaway lines. You have everything you need. Well, I was like, I don't have anything. I yeah. don't have any volunteers. I don't have any money. Well, about that time, the manager called me back and he said, uh, hey, I will, you know, Lowe's has some programs that they get to spend some money for community services. And he said, I want to build some beds. I said, okay, great. And I said, well, I've got a bed built. I had already decided we're just going to build three, four beds. I'll pay for it if we have uh-huh. to in the driveway so I can build my core group. Yeah. So I'd already had a date. And he said, well, okay, great. We can do it at our facility that date. He said, well, how many beds are you going to build? And I said, ah, oh, three or four. He said, what if we build 60? I went, uh, no, I can't, can't build 60. But yeah. he's fixing to write me a check for, for the beds. material for 60 beds. So what am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. So, and I said, well, I'd really like to just build like six. No, no, I'd really like to build 60 beds. And I said, because it was basically how much money he had. We, yeah. So what do you do? You don't turn that down. So, okay. So I got my neighborhood, and I said, and God blessed me with a neighbor who had trailers and equipment and generators and all that, and he's been a huge blessing. And they're all my age. Okay, we're none of us spring chickens. And so we're going to build beds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was in November. And fortunately, Lowe's, for this one build, they were going to let the employees participate. Oh, and that's they get cool. paid. So, okay. I thought, great. The manager said, how many people show up at this? And he goes, hmm, we've had as many as six and, uh, and maybe 30. I said, we're going to need closer to 30. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you need to watch the video, but there's about 12 steps. You could have 30 people just sanding. So, so. But I just kept hearing, you've got everything you need. You've mm. got everything you need. So, okay. So we showed up. My ragtag crew of six people and a trailer full of tools and materials. And we, between the Lowe's associates and the people at through church that uh-huh. we've gotten out, had about 40 people there. Oh, my gosh. And it took us quite a while. Yeah. We had generator problems and all that. But at the end of the day, we built 30 beds in about five to six hours. And then we scheduled another build about a month later and built the other 30 beds that Lowe's had given us for. So now we have beds. That's sort of how we got started. And Lowe's has been a tremendous support. In true fashion, that manager retires. Oh. It is like, okay. And God just says, don't worry about it. You got everything you need. So where that has dropped off, other organizations have stepped. It's just been, you know, because I'm a numbers guy, a financial guy. So I should be able to figure this out. Well, if I something I can't figure out, it's truly a God thing. Yeah. And that's sort of been my life is that where he shows, he's got to make it sort of impossible. Yeah. He, he does the impossible. It's like, okay, I'll get out of the way. So I don't think I've ever in my life had someone say that in that language. God speaks to me when he shows up doing the impossible. I've heard when he's faithful, but to me, faithful is a lot different than being like, Oh, do the impossible. Like faithful is like, thank you, God, that my water's still running today, you know, that the sun still came up. That feels like a challenge for me. But also, like, why wouldn't we think that God can't do the impossible? Yeah, that's what he does. I'm on fire now. But like I said, I wasn't always a spiritual leader. And this is just a whole different, just different feeling. I look back and there were times where 
you know, there were those were sort of like bright spots in yeah. my path where, it, like, he did show up in a big way. And we, you know, we, and most of those have to do with finances and a church fundraiser for capital campaigns. Like, we can do that. We didn't hit our goal. So we walked away defeated. But within an hour, somebody goes, Oh, I didn't get my contribution in. And so their number mm-hmm. put us over the top. And it's like, that's where God says, Well, I, I used you guys to help do this, but I really didn't need you. That's true. That's sort of that. We walked away defeated. It's like, wow, we put all this work in, and it was us. It was man doing it. And it's like, no, yeah. I, I'll show you. I get the glory because I did this. Sort of what I talk about with this whole Lowe's thing. You know, I could have keep hounding him, but he called me when it was time, and boom. And you said it the things that he will do and the links that he will go to make him bigger, like. For his glory, like the impossible circumstances, the people that he'll place and just the details of everything that will show that he's like a master storyteller. Right. You know, in preparation for this, I sort of look back and go, yeah, there were spots. I really didn't know it at the time, but I'm looking back and go, well, that was God putting somebody in my path to show me that, you know, you can be a Christian and do this and not because it was all, you know, rules. You're not supposed to be. I was sort of taught that you couldn't be successful in business or in in the business world if you were a Christian. Really? But you had to, I, I don't know if I was taught that, but that's what I, it was implied. That's what my head, and the man oh. I worked for for 20 some odd years was a good Christian man. And, and that was sort of the first thing. I was like, well, how do you, how do you do this? Serve God and have a successful business. Well, he sort of showed me that that's the why I was successful. It's, this is God's. And he, he prayed before we always had a big Christmas party for the kids and it was, you know, Santa showed up and everyone got a very nice gift. So it was, you know, worldly, if you will, in that aspect. But he always told the Christmas story. We always prayed before the meal and all that. Mm. And it was, he was very bold in his face. So watching him, it was easy to be bold in my faith when I was standing beside him. And that prepared me to be bold now that this is, is my life and this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. So Man, you have an amazing hard work ethic. You are a leader and you are really honest. Like some of the things that you shared about, like even being the spiritual leadership in your own home, like that's very honest. I don't hear that a lot from guys and it's so important. And like, thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's maybe a conversation that's not being had. Hey friends, I'm just jumping in here because I want to give you the scoop on what's happening for season four of Still With You. As you heard, next week, December 1st, we are releasing season three's finale episode. I'm inviting my friend Christian Marvin back on the podcast to talk about the things of 2020. This is not going to be a space to bore you. It's actually really fun. The conversation we are sharing is filled with your questions that you sent in and we're curious about along with favorite things of 2020 all the way from Grey's Anatomy to the best video games you know every time Christian and I talk it's about the most random things but it is so much fun and I cannot wait for you all to hear the first episode of season four will be releasing on January 19th 2021 and this year we're even including a little trailer for you to get excited about and just make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you listen with some snippets of the future interviews that are going to be released on the show. So I'm sending all this information to you so you clearly catch the vision for 
for this upcoming season. Again, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast or followed Still With You on Spotify, this is your best option to opt in so you can get notified with every single episode release. There's so many exciting things that are going to be happening, which we do talk about in the season finale, including ways that you might want to connect and even be encouraged to start your own podcast. I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. Again, just wanted to pass the news along. Can we talk about the actual need for beds? Sure. I have worked in the school system just a little bit, and then I've also just had some friends that, you know, when they're at my table and um, they're at our house, I have heard stories about them having experiences where they didn't have a bed to sleep on. I grew up in a home where I was very blessed and I'd never had that experience before. So I can't even imagine like what that would look like. I didn't even know the need till I started looking at some of the statistics that are shared through Sleep in Heavenly Peace. I didn't have a clue that that was happening either. I lived in, in Chattanooga. And then when I went on the first few deliveries, it's like, right, this is good. We're building beds for kids. But when you go and you're in parts of town that you've driven through forever yeah and you go this is happening right here the national organization of sleep and heavenly peace estimates there's 1.5 million kids in the united states united states today that don't have a bed of their own wow and when we say not a bed they're we you know our tagline is no kid sleeps on the floor in our town but they're not all on the floor they're maybe on a pile of clothes they may be on the couch you know little ones are sleeping with mom in a full bed there's two or three kids sleeping with mom we've seen all those kinds of situations and that's one of the goals of sleeping heavenly peace too is that you make people aware it's not just me and two people building beds in a garage yeah that's why you get the community out there so people just like you, you saw the videos and now you look and you go, well, I didn't know this was even a problem. It is a huge problem right here in America where, you know. Would you go to say that in any city in America or even in a town, this is probably a thing that's happening? I would definitely say that. If you know anything about Chattanooga, and I can keep relating back to that. Because no, yeah, we're still in story. our infancy here, sort of in Pensacola. <laughs> but but in, yeah. in Chattanooga, and I wouldn't say it's an impoverished town. I've lived there 30 years. Uh-huh. The chapter president there, now again, I told you he is does wild and crazy things and builds a bunch of beds. He delivered almost a 1,000 beds in Chattanooga, Tennessee in one year. So if Chattanooga, Tennessee is that, there's towns much more uh, impoverished than that. So I definitely believe a 1.5 million number of, of children without beds. So here in Pensacola, we have delivered 70-some-odd beds. Many times, it's predominantly single-parent homes, okay. single moms. Many times, they've just gotten their apartment and or their housing or whatever, and we're about the only furniture they have. Really? Yeah. When we get there, there's nothing in the living room. There may be a mattress laying on the like floor. Like parent the, won't even have a bed? No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in most cases, parents, you know, we deliver the last ones we delivered to, mom didn't have a bed. She had an apartment, three boys, and no furniture at all. And we delivered three beds. And we said, mom, where are you going to sleep? She goes, I'm going to sleep here in the living room wow. on the floor. I'll get a mattress or something. And so definitely. And then there are situations where you just have... You know, you've got as many people in the house as it'll hold, and so you they're they're sleeping on couches and they're sleeping on whatever. So we've seen a little bit of everything, and it's not from anybody's fault. There's of no course, yeah. there's no judgment about how you got there. We're all one paycheck or two paychecks away from having a hard time. 
it's just we're just glad to be there and help them. And the excitement of the kids is the payback. It is just the little ones, especially. They have no reservations. I've seen the pictures. They're like so sweet. It's awesome. It's awesome. They'll just come running my bed, and many of them have never had a bed of their own. You know, we're not trying to cure cancer here. We're just trying to make a difference one person at a time. Yeah. If we can just help one kid, mm-hmm. have them give them encouragement beyond what they would have had otherwise you know bed's not just a place to sleep it's a it's a refuge refuge it's a safe place it's something of their own if you get a good night's sleep you're going to do better in school you're going to grow properly you know because like we grow when we sleep you're talking about not curing cancer it's like well you're definitely helping people make healthier choices that's like how our immune system gets to revive and everything and so the health benefits of a good night's sleep, I think we underestimate that, especially like in the society of how we're so go, go, go. Again, I keep going back to this last sure. house. Again, the older children know what's happening. They know the situation. They've got the stress of yeah. knowing that we don't have a bed. And literally when we, we knock on the door and we ask them a few questions and they have to fill out some paperwork, which my wife typically does or somebody else in the group while we're unloading the truck. When we left, she says, well, one of the little boys ran and hid when we got there. Mm. The mom says, no, no, no. These the people with the beds and he comes out and he says so they're not here to take us because you know, lots of times the human services will come take children if you don't have a bed that was a thing and that kid seven or eight year old little boy had that on his mind and they shouldn't have to do that they shouldn't mm-hmm. have to think about so that's when not, not every delivery is all grand and you sure, walk yeah. away but when you get those where the kids are just unbelievably joyful and the parents are and you hear little nuggets like that you go wow that's why we're doing what we're doing one kid at a time two kids at a time when chris and i were driving over here i was thinking in my head i was like you know this is i'm going to be talking with kevin this is going to be fun for the podcast to hear his story but at the same time like that's what was on my mind that i was like this is why i want to have this conversation with you it's like it's so great for us to talk and stuff but those kids are what the mission is to share and to get people involved. God can shine through our nonprofits. He works all the time through them, whether they have his name at the top of the sheet or he's not even mentioned. Like, I love the work that you're doing and leading. What if our friends want to get involved? How do they do that? And could you share maybe a little bit? You mentioned some of the bed building process. There's days called like build bed days. So there's about three steps basically in the process. We have to raise our own funds. Lowe's has been tremendous with donating materials. Other stores have been great in donating linens and so forth like that. Mattresses. We When we deliver a bed, we deliver the bed that we made, the wood frame and headboard and sideboards. Mm-hmm. We deliver a brand new mattress. We deliver a sheet set, pillow. Oh, you all do the sheet the, set too. And, the, and a blanket or comforter or something like that. Wow. So it's the full thing. They don't they don't have to provide anything. Yeah, that's right. So when we walk in, we go walk in, set it up. Um, and when we leave, there's a bed that kids can sleep on. So they're sleeping in their own bed, their own stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, it's all brand new. We've had several what we call sponsored build days, which is where... A business would say, hey, we're going, we want to sponsor a build. It could be done. Some people might do it as a team building. A lot of businesses are looking for team okay. building. 
uh, or it just means we want to give back to the community. So we use $175 a bed as the marker. So if they want okay. to just build 10 beds, that'd be $1,750. They provide the funds, which we go get the materials, and we show up with a trailer full of equipment. They just bring volunteers. That can be a private event. They just want their employees or their uh-huh. friends and all that, or they can make it public. So we say, hey, we're building at XYZ Business in their parking lot on Tuesdays, and we'll promote it through Facebook and any other media. So that's how they can get involved if a business or you know wants to do a true bed build day mm-hmm. most of ours have been except well the Lowe's ones they were open to the public but they provided the funds and sure. for the wood or provided the wood and then we've had one that was private a church sponsored a bed build and then the other ones we've had have been primarily paid for by others but they said make them public so what if there was like a small group because i'm thinking about my circles of people mm-hmm. where i'm like okay i have been in groups of eight to ten people you know sometimes like six to eight is it where you would have to have like okay we're gonna have two small groups probably do this with the number of people or like what's the minimum number just because i'm thinking like that's the circles that i run in usually we've done them with fewer but it's harder Oh, really um but it's about 60 people is about a minimum okay so um, you'd have to get some you'd have to get some organization okay. well we could make it i mean we could make it public and we could promote it and you can have your okay. team show up i don't really worry about that anymore oh, because yeah, i have everything i need that's right you're the impossible guy yeah. so i gotta be listening yeah. to that i that's used right. to i used to figure yeah. out about it and mm-hmm. and we've had as many as 180 which uh-huh. was a lot of people that was before we had all our tools so there was a lot of downtime so we've got a lot more tools now that we can put hands on and so forth now somewhere between 60 and 100 well, 60 is sort of a minimum of people. It'll just, well, we could build fewer beds. We can build fewer beds. It's a, it's an assembly line process. Start with a pile of wood that Lowe's delivered, and you cut it on saws. We have two saws. We have 30 sanders, so we sand it. And these are sitting on just, like, folding tables. And then you go to a station where they put it on a tap, and they mark the wood. And then it goes to two drill presses where they drill the holes that they just tapped. Uh-huh. And then you go to some hand drills where they drill some more holes. And then you go to a headboard station where they there's a jig. They put different wood in it. Two people screw screws in it. They get through with that. You really have a headboard. It goes down a few more steps where they drill a few more holes. And then it gets stained. And then you have a headboard. So, so like, what do you do with individuals like me? I have zero experience working with wood and measuring. We, and We wouldn't put you at the saw. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we would, you know, we would just say, how comfortable are you with equipment? Okay. And so if... If you're not really comfortable, we put you on a sander. You really can't can hurt sand. yourself with that. Yeah. If you want to learn a tool, you, hey, you want to use a drill press, you, you want to use a drill, you want to assemble a headboard, you want to stain. The last build we had, there was a young girl, really shy, really quiet. There was a lot of youth at this event, and this real quiet, quiet girl, and she walked up. Oh, her mom walked up. Yeah. This girl was probably 10 to 11. Mom says, well, we're here to work. And I said, have you ever run a drill press? And the little girl just shook her head no. <laughs> I said, do you want to try it? And so we showed her what to do. She stood there all day. She uh, wouldn't give that position up. By the end of the day, you know, I kept going, by. you still doing good? And so she would talk a little bit more. Come to find out her dad was a cabinet maker. Okay. And her brother would go work with dad. And it was funny afterwards, um, she said, dad, you're going to have to take me in. Let me help. So it was, oh, it was yeah. cool. So I just like empowering. I mean, you can do it and just encourage people that you, you, your time wasn't wasted. If an individual was interested more in, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but like the admin side or even like where they would be interested in helping a chapter leader or even being a leader themselves, where would you send them? And what can you even share from your experience, the best piece of advice in getting involved with SHP? Um, 
if you're being called to do it, do it. I really didn't fight this calling mm. because I sort of saw the video and I was all in. But there's been other stuff I was probably supposed to do that I didn't. Not just that. I mean, I'm, I don't work right now either. So my wife is working. I retired <clears throat> when we left Chattanooga, so I don't have a day job. SHP is my day job, if you will. My wife still works. She works from home. and so But we get to sit on the back porch and drink coffee and do our devotions every day. Mm. And I won't say I'm always the one that says, let's go get the devotion book. But we yeah. spend that time. So our relationship is even stronger than it was. So wow. so God's blessed us in a point that we're, we're enriched to be able to do that. I would just say there's a multitude of ways to get involved if you want to. You know, if you want, because I know there's people all over the country listening to this. You can email me at kevin.loveday at shpbeds.org to say, hey, I heard the podcast. If you want to sort of be a little bit less specific and dealing with me personally, you can go to shpbeds.org. And we'll put all of that yep. for people to find. And that talks about, you know, how to request a bed and and, and it, all the requests. I'll go ahead and cover that. So if yes, there could be please. somebody listening that knows someone that needs a bed uh, or themselves. Go to shpbeds.org. You can get to there multiple ways, but it says request a bed. You've got to request a bed, and then you find the city you live in, and hopefully there's a chapter in your area. So you go to fl-pensacola, and you would look at the zip codes that we serve, and we're adding to that as we get more participation. Hopefully we're serving your zip code, and you mm-hmm. fill in the zip code, and you fill out a short questionnaire, your name, address, contact information, ages and gender of the children, and the sort of the situation. Uh, yeah. We only ch- serve children 3 to 17. We'll call. We have a waiting list of about 60 beds right now. Yeah. COVID slowed us way down. We're getting those met as we can. And then uh, we'll call and do some background and you know see if we still need the bed, whatever, schedule time and deliver it. So admin, anybody who wants to call and likes to talk to people. You can call and do the qualifying, the vetting. You can help do deliveries. You can help if you own a truck yeah, and uh, you want to help with deliveries. Again, kevin.loveday at shpbeds.org if you're in the Pensacola area. I've had several people who, through the bed builds and through Liberty's promotion of it, have contacted me and said, hey, I'm living in Baltimore and would like to find out really? what, to, yeah, what, to, what to do with this. And Oh, that's awesome. So um, it's a little bit of a commitment, but you don't have to do it like everybody else does it. You do it on your own time. You don't have to build 100 beds every month uh-huh. like Chattanooga does. Um, you, you know, there's some chapters that have been in existence for quite some time. They're still building six beds at a time. and They may live in a rural community, and that fills their need. You just do what you can do. One kid's one kid. Do right. for one what you wish you could do for a thousand. Yeah. Yep. That's the contact information. If you have other questions, I would love to talk to you. Thank you so much for all of that you're doing and even like setting that precedence of this is how we're going to lead in Pensacola. With an organization, there's the bones and then the cities like are the muscles. Like everybody's muscles yeah. look a little different yeah. and so you're adding that to what how our city is going to lead and that's awesome. With this being Christmas season, I'm curious, what are some things that you and your family do to celebrate our tradition is more around Thanksgiving because okay. again we were a blended family, so yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the children always had to go back to the other parent on okay. Christmas. So we're not a, it has to be on the day kind of people. We love Christmas and we celebrate Christmas and you know, every year and it's always a big deal. But Thanksgiving was usually the big family event. My All wife right. is her mother is one of fourteen kids, so there's a lot of cousins and there's about four or five that are really close. So that was the big event. Well, now they come down here for Thanksgiving and then several of them come back around Christmas. I wish if you call it a tradition, but my memories of really the Christmas, what it means to me. I really love music and I believe or I love the way it makes you feel. So I like to go to a church 
I don't even call them cantatas anymore, but uh, <laughs> but church music. Yeah. And especially in the evening, so if they have an evening Christian Christmas yeah. worship, usually that time is a time to stop and slow down. It just always sort of hits me, you know, what was happening this time 2,000 some odd years ago. This little baby was being born that changed everything. That's why yeah. we're here celebrating Christmas. And I promise this is going to sound so cheesy, but I did not write this down, but like, that baby could have used a bed for real. Like I'm serious. I promise that's yeah. so cheesy, but it's so true. Like to wrap it all back. There wasn't a SHP chapter. There in was not. Was it? <laughs> no, there was definitely not. Christmas season brings a time to slow down and think, yeah. be with the Lord because he's always having new beginnings. And I always feel like with the turn of a year, he's always trying to say something and be very intentional in directing me. I can only speak for me and like what he wants me to do and he's always writing a story well my wife she's a you know, talks for a living because she gets she's in sales but so a lot of people meet us and i'm the cpa and you're supposed to be the quiet one typically if you've been around us for a while i'm the extrovert and she's the introvert okay so well, again we get together with our neighbors every week and we like to go out on the boat and who wants to go and so in the christmas can be chaotic i totally. mean it can be yeah. you know business scene you got this christmas party and that christmas party and i enjoy that i don't mind that but it tends to get back to you there's this quiet time we try to make time we will this year anyway make time to be quiet and mm-hmm. just available. We are a military family. So like when you talk about how your Christmases look a little different, they have looked so different for us. Sometimes they're seeing parents. Last year, we didn't see any family. It was just us. Talk about being intentional. I remember getting up Christmas morning, sitting with my Bible, just being like, this is the most bizarre Christmas I've ever had, God. I don't know why, like, this feels so lonely. We FaceTimed Chris's parents and mine, and that was really sad. But at the same time, like, I was really grateful for even the rhythm that I felt like God had put in my life to get a coffee and just sit in the Word. And honestly, He prepared me so that way when I got up that morning and it looked different than what I thought it was would have felt I guess I was extra sad like he was right there with me do you have anything else you want to share before I ask you the final question I know one of the things you you mentioned before yeah. uh, we started was how have we impacted Pensacola we haven't really done it yet if I'm measuring our success I, I, I'm a little disappointed but I will but I, again that's the, the devil putting that on me and um, I was gonna say I feel like I refuse to submit to that yeah. Well, COVID killed us, but before that, we were doing well, and, we, and we're picking up speed now. You're the first podcast. Thank you. My first podcast oh, ever. Are you serious? Yeah, my first podcast I, uh, ever. That's shocking. Well, and, I, I've heard from what Buffy told me that there's people in line, so uh, you're going to be heard other way, other uh, places and other platforms, too. I've not done any interviews with any news channels, any radio station. We have not put the word out there at all that we're even in town. Oh, what an honor for me, honestly. Thank you. So I feel like Pensacola... Really, most of the words, because they do ask that question on the applications, how do you, Facebook has been the biggest way. Okay. And we're on Facebook. You can follow us as at Sleeping Hamley Peace, FL-Pensacola. Yeah. We'll put that in the link. We'll put in the show notes. And um, that's how you know when we're going to do a build and all that stuff. So, but that's really how the word of mouth has gotten out. And then the, there's a 211 program here in town. Okay. I think the United Way runs it. And there was somebody that worked there heard about us and all that. So now when you call 211 and it's just like, I need assistance with food, I need assistance with beds for my kids or whatever, they connect you to us. So that's been really the only formal, if you will. Okay. We haven't gone to any agencies and said, hey, we're here because we really weren't ready for it. And we're sort of on the cusp of that, I feel like. I, I just 
have been telling Pensacola to be patient with us. We're, we're yeah. there. We've, we've helped some, but, and those that are on the waiting list, be patient. We're still here. We're still building beds. We're still going to get them to you. I'm very thankful for Pensacola and what they've done for a guy. You know, it was funny when we first started out. I said, I'm just this guy from Tennessee that says he's going to build beds for kids and I'm asking for money. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. So <laughs> I had to get some business cards made up to at least be legitimate. And well, uh, hey, you got a polo on now. So yeah, you got a polo I'm, with I'm, the logo. Yeah, so I think we're, yeah, you're doing good. This is my uniform. I wear this every day. I look forward to what God's gotten plan for the future because we're, we're we're i think we're right on the cusp of getting more volunteers we could definitely use more volunteers in the admin and delivery area because that's falls to about six or eight people right now and then that's the same six or eight and I, we got to work through some logistics of that of how that works but sure please don't be too hard on yourself i can feel that you feel the weight for the waiting list you mm-hmm. saw a need and you i know god who does the impossible let's do it With that being said, the podcast is called Still With You. So, Kevin, I would love to know, and you can answer this however you wish, I would love to know where is God still with you? Well, like I mentioned in my story that he was there all along. I didn't reach out to have that relationship, really. It was on me. I truly felt like I was saved, and I was just going through the motions and checking the boxes. So in the last year and a half, he's just shown himself to me just because I've made myself available. And been intentional about, you know, instead of looking at Facebook, looking at a devotional or like, I'm not there at all. I mean, I just as easily do anything else. I feel like what you put in, you get out. It's what you give out. So if you're filling yourself with junk, which I may have done at some point in time, you're going to give out junk and nobody's going to want to be around you. Yeah, I've been there. I've done garbage in, garbage out, so you're not alone in that for sure. Yeah, So it's just being a little bit intentional, preparing. And with technology today, it's really easy. So it's... yeah. Devotionals yeah. on your phone, podcasts on your phone. You version Bible app. Yeah, it's exciting. It, you know, I look forward to what, what we're going to do next. It's yeah. just awesome. I am going to have to have you back if you're cool with it. Sure. I would absolutely love to have you back. And then also, um, man, I'm so thankful that your family took the, the step to say yes and move to Pensacola. Because mm-hmm. without y'all being brave and saying yes and stepping outside of Chattanooga, I don't know if we'd be sitting here across the table. So thank you for your obedience. And also Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) I feel like we are saving some of the best for last. Oh my goodness. Did you just not love Kevin's story? What an honor. And friends, if you feel like there's someone in your life who needs to hear this conversation, maybe they're going through something that feels impossible. Maybe this is the encouraging word that they need to hear. Click the three dots on this episode, tap share, and send it off to a friend who needs it most. And so often we want to stay in our comfort zones, but that's where God wants us the most. He wants us to step out in faith. He wants us to step out boldly, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And I love that He is bringing that to nonprofit organizations that don't have His name included in their bio. I love that. God is using people who are for human beings, who are for building beds. I learned so much from Sleep in Heavenly Peace. I'm grateful for this organization, and I love that he has brought this opportunity to our city. Please visit the website, shpbeds.org. All of the ways that you can connect with Sleep in Heavenly Peace will be in the show notes, along with all of the information that Kevin shared, his email address. You 
can also visit my website, coleybrowning.com for the official show notes of this episode. It is always so fun to hear from you and I would love to encourage you in any way that I can. Thank you so much for showing up to our final normal episode of the podcast because next week is the finale. As always, I want to thank our friend Lily Gray for sharing her music with us. You're listening to her song Lifted from her album. It's all beautiful right here. Make sure you check out her website, lilygray.com and stream her music on all listening platforms. And I'm so thankful for you for showing up to every single episode. The party isn't over. We're going to roll into Thanksgiving, celebrate, and then on December 1st, we're sharing season three's final episode, including all of your questions and comments that you had about this year. Make sure you meet me here again next week on Still With You. Until then, happy Thanksgiving. Be bold, be brave, be you. And remember that he is still with you. Earth, the fog is, it's been.